Yes, God, we just give you so much praise and so much honour right now. Lord, we thank you that your name is so powerful. Church, why don't we just take a moment just to reflect on that, to meditate on that, or how powerful the name of Jesus is. Not just because it's a name, not just because of, you know, it's, it's a special arrangement of letters, but because of who He is, what He's done. God, at the outset of our Sunday morning service, at the beginning of our week, Lord, we just want to fix our eyes on you. Oh, the founder and perfecter of our faith. We thank you, God. Welcome to church. It's so great that you guys are uh, tuning in and uh, it's awesome to be with you virtually here. Uh, I know it's been a while since I've been up here, so uh, I'm really excited to be up here. Uh, Thanks so much, Matt and Meredith. You guys did an amazing job. Uh, Isn't it awesome just to sit in the presence of God as we worship Him and just allow Him to minister to us? You know, we think we're we're giving to God, but you can never outgive Him. He always gives back. It is the 12th, I believe, of September already. Can you believe it? I was reflecting on that today and the fact that we're like, I don't know, three quarters almost of the way through the year and uh, just how amazing that is. And uh, I I was reflecting on the fact that I remember in uh, 2019, the end of 2019, and how we were all like, see you later, 2019. Like years can't get much worse than that. And uh, of course, now we're uh, sitting in 2021 and we're, we're going to round out the end of 2021 soon. And it's our second year of a global pandemic. And be careful what you wish for, right? Uh, you know, obviously, uh, this year's been tough on a lot of people. The last 18 months have been tough on a lot of people. And uh, I, I really can't think of anyone that hasn't been tough on. Unless you, uh, there are a few of you that just love being at home and not going out and uh, just being with your family and, and all that kind of thing. And you haven't really noticed that there's a lockdown on right now, uh, but I know that you're in the minority. And if you're anything like me, uh, you're really missing being with everyone. Well, uh, I just wanted to share with you uh, this morning about something I've been reading uh, through. Um, I've actually been reading this chapter over the last probably couple months, uh, at least a month. And um, I just want to read from it, and I hope it really blesses you. So if you've got your Bible there, uh, please turn with me um, to 2 Timothy, chapter 1, right at the beginning. 2 Timothy, chapter 1, verse 1. And uh, there's a little bit of scripture on uh, today, and it might be coming from the screen now. I hope it is. Uh, So read along with me, be patient. Um, But I love reading things in their context. I don't ever want to read one verse by itself and tell you that it means something it doesn't. Uh, So I'm going to read uh, 14 verses here, and uh, I just want to take you on a bit of a journey of what God's been speaking to me about. So it says this, uh, 2 Timothy 1, verse 1, it says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. 
There's a promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. That's really important. We're going to come back to it in a minute. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Verse 8, here we go. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Okay, so right here, the, the, uh, we're halfway through the verses, but, but, but the tone of the entire chapter or, or passage here shifts. Uh, so it shifts from what you would probably expect a, a, a typical Pentecostal message to be, you know, power giving and life giving and encouragement and everything's going to be great and all that kind of thing. And we shift to this command by Paul to Timothy saying, make sure you share in the suffering of the gospel of God. Wow. You know, I, I don't know about you, but this sharing of the suffering doesn't sound appealing to me. And, uh, and so when Paul shifts it from this amazing, you know, grace and peace and mercy to you and, 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 and all this great stuff, and then he goes, make sure you share in the suffering of the gospel. It just seems like a weird thing to say, but we're going to continue. Uh, so he says, do not be ashamed of the testimony, uh, but share in sufferings for the gospel of the power of God. And then he says this, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, this is a common theme for Paul, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave to us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Saviour Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher. This is important. This is where Paul's going through his stuff. Which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me. In the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. You know, this is really important, and I want to give a little bit of context around what's happening here. Uh, So this is the second time that Paul's written to Timothy. Uh, It's his second letter, at least the second one that we have. And uh, it's one of 13 letters that we have in our Bible that Paul writes. Now, he's writing to Timothy, and Timothy's a special person to Paul because uh, Timothy, he calls his son, uh, but he, he calls him his beloved son. And it's kind of like, it's like his, you know, when you have someone that's so close, you like, you like family. I mean, this is what Timothy is to Paul. And so Paul's writing to Timothy for the second time here, and he's sharing his own experience and what's going on. Now, to give you context about what's going on with Paul, he's in prison. He's about to die. And he probably knows that, or at least he's prepared for that. 
And perhaps he's prepared as well that, uh, again, God will rescue him from the hands of death, as he's done before on many occasions. Uh, But perhaps he's ready to die. You know, I'm not 100% sure. But he's writing to Timothy right at the end of his life. Uh, And so this is really interesting that these are the words he decides to tell Timothy. It's not, hey, um, I've learned a thing or two when sharing the gospel. If you say this, this, and this, you'll probably end up in prison, so maybe avoid that. He doesn't say that. He says, don't be ashamed of me. Don't be ashamed of my message. He says, go share in the suffering of the gospel. He's encouraging Timothy, hey, come on, let's be cellmates. Hurry up and get down here before I die. (laughs) You know, I think before we can fully understand that God has a promise for us in our suffering, we need to understand that God promises suffering. You know, he promises that we will see suffering in our life. I think suffering is just a part of the human condition. I think every single person on the face of the earth suffers at some point in time, and obviously some worse than others. But, I mean, think about things that Jesus said, like, they will hate you because they hate me. On the account of me, they're going to hate you too. Think about when he says, uh, you, you know, if you want to follow me, you need to take up your cross daily. I mean, the cross was like the picture, the pinnacle of suffering. Like he's promising suffering here. I mean, think about Paul. Paul, obviously, in this verse, he, he tells Timothy, join in on the suffering that I've experienced. But, you know, more than that, Paul, Paul boasts about the times that he suffered for the gospel. I mean, he boasts about the times that he's had to run and flee because people were coming to murder him. He's boasted about the times that he's been in prison, boasted about the times that he's been shipwrecked and that he's been snake-bitten and he's been uh, stoned and beaten and whipped. I mean, he, he boasts about these things. I mean, the Bible says, consider it blessed. This is a promise of the gospel that we enter into suffering. And so the more I read in 2 Timothy, the more I think Timothy must be experiencing some of this suffering because there's a lot of encouragement around it from Paul. And obviously Paul's experiencing it, and so it's on his mind. But I think Timothy's entering into some sort of period of suffering here. And uh, it's probably, you know, everything's hitting the fan and it's getting pretty real for him. Um, And so Paul's really encouraging him, hey, Share in this suffering. Embrace it. It's part of the Christian life. Don't be ashamed of it. You know, I'm sure that we can all uh, bring to memory really quickly times that we've suffered. Uh, There might be times that you've suffered for the gospel, maybe friends that think you're stupid or that kind of thing. I mean, that's probably a minor level of suffering when you think about our brothers and sisters in places like Afghanistan uh, who suffer for the gospel. But, uh, you know, suffering doesn't necessarily always need to be for the gospel. I mean, sometimes we just suffer. Sometimes we just suffer because of life and it's just, it just hits us. Uh, we've all been suffering for the last 12 weeks in lockdown. You know, that's a, that's, a, that's a form of suffering. It's a slow burn. It's this frustration. I mean, we've all been in it really for 18 months. We, we have this, I mean, across the world, but especially us all here in Australia, I mean, we, we have this shared experience of suffering together and so you know suffering isn't really new it's not a new idea a new thought and some of us have become comfortable with suffering and some of us are right at the end of our ropes i know that i've been at the end of my rope a few times uh in the last 18 months so the question is how can we last through this suffering 
You know, I don't think that God removes suffering because he doesn't want it in our lives. Uh, I think suffering is important for us. And um, so how can we last through it? I mean, how can we be in his kingdom and be in the midst of suffering? What does that look like? I think the answer is to be in his kingdom. See, being in his kingdom doesn't mean the absence of suffering. It, it actually just means that in spite of suffering, we're in his kingdom. And I, I want to unpack that for you this morning. And I know you're probably thinking, oh, his kingdom, like we've spoken about this for ages, you know, this new kingdom, what, you, it's been the topic for a long time. And, and uh, you know, I think for a good reason, I could probably preach every single sermon for the rest of my life on this new kingdom and really talk about what it means. I mean, Jesus spoke about it a lot and uh, it's, it's so important. But what I want you to grasp this morning is not just that the kingdom's important, but why it's important. Because... We can live a Christian life and accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior and not walk in the fullness of the kingdom that's available to us. And so it's really important that as we do that, we walk with the Holy Spirit because he keeps us on track in the fullness of the kingdom. So as I'm reading this verse, uh, I read this whole chapter and God says, uh, I'm praying to God and I'm saying, we're in the midst of suffering, God, and uh, it doesn't feel nice. And I said, what do we ought to do? And, you know, there's, there's arguments on social media and in person and people that have been friends for many years are now attacking each other. And there's all this toxicity and there's these debates and there's these really hard questions to answer in our lives. And, for, you know, we're given these choices and, and, and all of a sudden, you know, we know our premier's names all of a sudden and, uh, and we may agree with them or we may disagree with them, but I guarantee you that your friends think the other way and, and so there's all this tension in our lives. And so I was praying to God, I was saying, give me wisdom in the middle of this because, you know, this is, this is just chaotic and it's a, it's a land. I can't, I can't post a selfie on Facebook without someone uh, slamming me for it. And so, you know, what, what am I to do? And, uh, and God said, go back to the first verses of the, of the uh, book of Second Timothy. So I said, okay. And so I read them. Now, I don't know if you're anything like me, but... Uh, what, all of Paul's letters, he opens them with a greeting. It's a typical thing to do uh, in the first century world. I mean, we do it now with a letter um, or, or even with an email. It's very short, but we say, uh, you know, hi, Matt. Um, and then we go on with what I want Matt to do or what I want to let Matt know. And then I say, regards, Judah. And so Paul does this, but it's, it's a little bit bigger, um, his greetings. So I skip them. Uh, well, not skip them. I just breeze over them. Yeah, Paul and Apostle, yeah, blah, 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 blah. Okay, what's he trying to tell us? You know, I hear there's some juicy news about a guy and his stepmom, so let's get to that. Um, and so I, I'm always trying to just like, you know, get to the point with Paul's letters. Uh, and so when God said, go back and read the first verses again, I read them very carefully. He says this, uh, he starts 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy the same way. So 2 Timothy uh, one, verse 2, chapter 1, verse 2. He says this, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. And I felt the Holy Spirit whisper to me, that is my promise in suffering. So that's the title of my message this morning, A Promise in Suffering. And I think it's really important. I want to unpack this for you because I think these are the secret ingredients that God gives us in the midst of suffering. Now, let me tell you, I said when we read this verse, it's really important. We'll come back to it in a second, and it really is. Uh, so as I said before, Paul writes 13 letters that we have today in our Bible. 
And in 11 of those letters, he begins them, or in the greeting, he says, grace and peace to you from our Father and Jesus. But in only two letters does he add mercy. He says, grace, mercy, and peace. Those two letters are 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. Only twice. All all 11 other times, he doesn't include the word mercy. Go in your Bibles. You can have a look. You can check me on that. Look at all the the letters that Paul writes. And I was thinking, God, why would he include mercy here? I mean, why is mercy important? And uh, my little daughter, Mercy, is watching. She's probably, her ears are pricking up every time I say her name. Why is mercy important? And I feel that the Holy Spirit said to me, it's essential for suffering. So I want to break down these three things for you, the the grace, the mercy, and the peace, and why they're important. And often I read them all as one thing. Yeah, grace, mercy, peace. Yeah, cool synonyms, Paul. Well done. You get a gold tick. Um, But but I actually think they are very distinct, separate things. And uh, I want to break them down for you and talk about why they're important and what it means to have them in our lives. Uh, So a promise in suffering What is our promise in suffering? Here we go. Number one, grace. So let's start with grace. Grace is such an important part of what uh, Paul's message was. I think the reason why he probably starts all of his messages with grace and peace is because, I mean, Paul's the grace guy, right? He's the guy that breaks down why grace saves us and not works. You know, we're saved through our faith by grace, through not through our works. So... This is this pivotal message. I mean, it's, it's kind of at the forefront of Paul's message everywhere he goes. So he shares with everyone as he, as he writes to them, you know, grace and peace to you. I think it's really the, the pinnacle of the Christian message, grace. It's, it's on the lips and hearts of every Christian because we all know we can't do it on our own. Uh, remember Romans uh, chapter 10, I believe it is, says that uh, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I mean, we've all sinned. We've all fallen short. It's, it's, uh, none of us are good enough. None of us can make it. So we need grace. Uh, we, we can't work this on our own. I, I don't know about you, but uh, sometimes I tend to try and be good enough uh, to, for the calling that God's got on my life or, or whatever it is. And then I, I catch myself thinking, oh, what are you doing? You can't earn this. And I think that's part of human nature. It's part of our culture, really. We're a performance-based culture. And so you think, okay, how can I perform in a way that God's going to be happy and use me more? Um, but really, God just looks for faith because faith in His grace is what saves us. His grace saves us. It's a punishment relieved is one uh, definition that I found. It's uh, the undeserved sinner receiving pardon. Justified, you've probably heard dad say this before. Uh, the way it was explained to him is, is, is that you are justified, which you can say justified never sinned. And so uh, it's a great way to remember it. So, so this grace is this gift that God gives to us. Like it's, it's something that we, that we, we were never deserving of, but he's given us anyway. You know, I, I think about uh, in the middle of suffering, things that bring people comfort. 
And uh, I don't know if you've seen the big viral video that's going around right now um, that Nickelodeon posted uh, from Blue's Clues. It's the old uh, host of the show, Steve, who we all thought died of cancer like 10 years ago. And so he's, he's uh, it turns out he didn't. He just went to college and lost his hair and didn't want to be on TV anymore. And so he's posted this, like, I think it's like 20 years since the beginning of Blue's Clues or something. And he's posted this video. And uh, look, I'm going to be honest, I find it really weird. Um, but maybe you want to look it up after this and have a look at what I'm talking about. But it's basically this explanation as to why he left the show. And this kind of, it's meant to be this heartwarming, like, you know, I love you guys and you've been through so much and look at how far we've come and, and I just, you know, I want to dress the elephant in the room that I left and all this kind of stuff. And so it's this kind of weird thing. But the weirdest thing about it all is that there are people all across uh, social media that are posting this video saying, wow, this has brought me so much closure I didn't need. And people that are tearing up as they read it. And I thought, isn't it funny the things that people find their comfort in? You know, it's, it's funny how probably now more than ever the world is looking for comfort because we're all in this period of just, uh, you know, suffering. And, and so they're, they're given this video of this comforting, and it's, you know, it's a really nice message from, from good old Steve. And, uh, and so people, you know, for whatever reason, you have this reaction of just, you know, emotion and, and comfort and, and they love it. Uh, I just find it weird. Um, and so I, I, it got me thinking about well, what does, you know, what should the thing that brings us comfort be? And, uh, and I think it should be in the fact that, it, you know, God's grace is enough for us. Sometimes when I'm in the midst of suffering, I think, oh boy, I'm, uh, you know, this suffering is, is so bad. Maybe God is in the midst of punishing me for something and I need to figure out exactly what that is so I can stop it so that, you know, God's then happy with me and he's impressed with what I can do. And so then he lets me go uh, out of this suffering. But I don't think that's the answer to our suffering because God promises that we'll go through suffering. So I think the knowledge that God's grace is sufficient, as the Bible says, I think that is where our comfort should come from. His grace is sufficient for us. I'm not being punished or going through suffering because I'm a bad person. We're all bad people. We all deserve punishment and suffering. Uh, there's this guy I listen to, uh, a podcast I listen to, and whenever they, you know people call in, and whenever they call in, he answers. They say, how are you doing today? And he goes, better than I deserve. And I think, you know, we, we really are all doing better than we deserve, you know. Uh, we've all sinned. We've all fallen short. And yet God gives us grace. You know, the second thing, and this is the, uh, the one that's only in the two greetings, that's mercy. Uh, so the, the, the word for mercy in the Greek is elios. And uh, it basically means the free and unmerited favor of God. Now, I've always thought that grace and mercy were like two sides of the same coin, like they're the same thing. Uh, grace and mercy, you know, mercy means grace and grace means mercy. And uh, it's not, you know, mercy is actually something different. It's not the, uh, you know, instead of punishment, we're given freedom. It's not the, you know, instead of a, a smack on the hand, we're given a lollipop. You know, that this is the, the kind of the grace idea that it's the, the relievement of punishment. But mercy is the favor of God. And they are two, two slightly different things, but they're related. 
Psalm 5 verse 12 says this, Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. You know, it's, it's like the blessing of God. You know, he's, first of all, he's, he's wiped the slate clean. He's relieved our punishment. He's called us his own, even though we don't deserve it, this sufficient grace. But now he gives us this favor, this mercy. Uh, as I said before, my daughter's name is Mercy, and uh, uh, we love her. When we named her Mercy, there was, um, there was a reason why we named her Mercy. Her name's Mercy River. And uh, we just had this picture of God's mercies flowing like a river through our lives. And uh, we wanted to also name her that to proclaim that over her life, that God's mercy would flow like a river through her life. And so in Lamentations 3, verse 22 to 24, this is a verse that we uh, kind of read over her as, as she was born and we posted with her on Facebook, more importantly. And uh, it says this, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, his mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. You know, it's this idea that God is, a, is enough for me. He is my portion. He gives me everything I need. His mercies never run out. You know, I think about why did Paul include this this Elios, this mercy in the midst of what Timothy's going through. Like, why did Paul think that Timothy needed this? You know, sometimes I think we, uh, we try to lean on our own vices to get us through suffering. And I do this all the time. Uh, you know, I think uh, I need to clear my mental health. So I need to go out for a walk or go for a run. These are great things. You should do that. Um, you know, a friend of mine gives advice. They, they say, eat good food and go outside. And uh, I think that's great advice uh, for everyone. But when we're relying on these things to be our answer to suffering, or we're thinking, how can I dig myself out of this? Um, I've been there plenty of times. It takes away the faith aspect that God is our provider. You know, the, the whole idea that mercy, you know, this grace, mercy and peace from the Lord, uh, our Father and Jesus Christ. It's like God's favor be upon you. God's providence be upon you. This mercy is, is God's ability to provide. And I thought as I was kind of meditating on this, what significance that God provides I don't know about you, but I really wish my first reaction when something terrible is going on in my life is to go to the provider. And sometimes it is, uh, and oftentimes it's not. Uh, oftentimes when I'm facing a crisis, I'm thinking practically, okay, how do I get out of this? What do I do? But I, I wish my first, always my first response would be, I need to go seek the provider. It says that his mercies never end. It's not like God's like, okay, I'm going to help you out maybe three times in your life, like three major crises. You can choose them, but as soon as you run out, like we're over. It's not, he's not a genie. His mercies never end. Every time that we go through something, some sort of suffering or some sort of uh, ordeal or, or whatever it is, his mercies are there. They're provided for us. Every time we're going through great, awesome times, his mercies are there and always providing for us. You know, the reason why Paul thought Timothy needed this mercy, this, you know, this extra blessing that he wanted to send to Timothy was because 
in the middle of suffering, you need God's providence more than ever. You need the favor of God more than ever. And can I tell you, church, when, you, when we walk in his kingdom and, and when, we, when we join the Jesus family, God's favor is on us. Church, God's favor is on you. It might not feel like God's favor is on you. Trust. Have faith. God's favor is on you. doesn't mean that he's going to fill your bank account with millions of dollars. But it means that he's always going to provide everything you need. You know, I love the story of uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And uh, they got, you know, they're, they're about to be thrown into the, the fire. And uh, they say, you know, surely our God will save us. But even if he doesn't, he's still God. I mean, what amazing faith that, you know, I know God's going to bring us out of this suffering and, and we're all going to be okay. But, but even if he decides not to, he's still my provider. You know, even if God decides to, you know, if I die of COVID in a couple of weeks, I still believe God is my provider. I still believe that God provides for me and for my family and, and he's taking me home, you know. And, and that kind of faith to go, God, your mercies are new every day. God, they never end. That's the kind of faith that the believer should have. So Paul wishes upon him grace you know, the, the pinnacle of his message that he carried everywhere. Mercy, God's favor upon you as you go through suffering. And thirdly, he, he talks about peace. So where we get the name Irene from, turns out. I don't know how to say this word. I think it's like Irene or maybe it is just Irene. I don't know. It's in the Greek. Uh, I'm sorry, Adam. I'm, I'm a little bit, I've got to dust those cobwebs out. Uh, I was listening to a, oh, sorry, I was reading a uh, commentary on Second Timothy, and uh, it says this, talking about peace. Its meaning is not primarily personal or psychological in the sense of inner peace. It refers to a condition of wholeness and harmony existing between a person and God. This is a really great description, you know. Uh, so th- this Greek word for peace is the Greek equivalent of shalom in the Hebrew. So what I I find really cool about Paul is that he's kind of introducing all of his uh, letters with this grace, you know, the pinnacle of his message and, you know, the the greatest part about Jesus is grace that we're given and peace. You know, shalom is is the greeting of God's people. And uh, and so Paul doesn't write... You know, charis, which is, you know, uh, grace and then shalom to kind of bring his Hebrew readers in. But he says, uh, you know, the Greek word for peace, which goes, yes, this peace that was for God's people is now for everyone. It's for the Greeks too. You know, uh, what's, what's one of the ways that the Bible describes Jesus? In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, for To us a child is born, to us a son is given. You know this verse, we read it every Christmas. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You know, when when we say this word peace, uh, or at least when the Hebrews would say shalom to each other, it's not like, may you find inner peace. You know, they're, they're not trying to be Master Uguay from Kung Fu Panda. And uh, that what they're saying is this, this exchange of shalom, this peace is like this standing of relationship between you. So when, you, when I come up and I say, shalom, it's like 
there is peace between us. There is this there is this standing of relationship that we have between us. And so when Paul wishes upon Timothy, uh, you know, peace from the God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, it's this, you have this standing in relationship between God and Jesus. Remember that. There is this peace that exists between you. And so sometimes it doesn't make sense to me that in the midst of something terrible, I can feel terrible about it, but also understand that there is this peace that exists between God and I. You know, the king of the universe, the guy that is in charge of everything, the, the appointment, the, the appointer of governments, the, uh, you know, the, the sender of hurricanes, the, the controller of fires. I mean, this, this awesome, almighty God, there is this peace, this standing between me and him that there is this, you know, I, I'm, I'm in good standing with him. There's this relationship that exists. Now, if Jesus rules in his kingdom which he does, uh, and he's the prince of peace, then it stands to reason that the kingdom that he rules is a kingdom of peace. Right? John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus says this, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. John 16, 33, I have said these things to you that in me you may have Peace. In the world you will have tribulation or suffering or trials or whatever you want to call it, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Isaiah 26 verse 3, talking about God, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. There's, there's many verses I could continue going on, many verses about peace, especially through the New Testament when we refer to Jesus. I hope you're getting the kind of picture here that God's kingdom is a kingdom of peace and the importance that that plays in our, our lives. You know, where God is, peace is. You can't be the prince of something and not carry it wherever you go. So where God is, peace is. Where Jesus dwells, peace dwells. When I walk with the Holy Spirit, I walk with peace. Now, the key to understanding this is in Jesus' own words, and it's in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. It says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. You know what the Greek word for son is? Yeah, I'm not sure either. But what I do know is the significance of being called a son of God. You know, and I'm, you know, daughters of God too. I mean, it's the idea of a child of God. Jesus came and revealed himself as the Son of God. It's this big reveal. It's, it's amazing. You know, and, and we, we've learned to know him as the only begotten Son. Uh, another way of saying that is the uniquely begotten Son. So when we're called sons of God, when we do this, or sons and daughters of God of the Most High, it's like we become heirs with Jesus. It's like the Bible calls us co-heirs. We're, we're like, we're equal inheritors of God's kingdom. We, we now walk in that. We don't become Jesus. We don't become God because remember, Jesus is the uniquely begotten son, but we become like other children that join in on this awesomeness that was Jesus's. You know, 
it's almost like we're, we're given a similar platform to what Jesus had when we accept his peace. You know, how, how do we know that uh, God's kingdom is a kingdom of peace? For this matter, how do we know that God's kingdom is a kingdom of grace, mercy, and peace? Because I really believe it is. You see, if you're called a, a, a child of God for doing something, it means you're representing God by doing that thing. I think about, uh, you know, there, there's been many times, uh, most recently I was um, out at the farm when I was uh, celebrating Lewis's wedding and um, out, out in Gilgandra and, you know, just before lockdown. In fact, we were, we were at the wedding when we got a notification saying everyone in Sydney must lock down. And so we were like, oh, do we even want to come back? <laughs> but we did. And uh, so while I was out there, I was actually out there a, a few weeks earlier for Lewis's Bucks party. And it was a great time. We just uh, hung out in the farm and it was awesome. And uh, I remember uh, I met an uncle that I didn't know I had, which happens every time I go out there. And uh, he, he kind of looks at me and goes, ah, you must be Rick's son. And I kind of had that look about me, I guess. I kind of look like Rick Burrell's son. And, uh, and so when people see me or perhaps when they hear me talk or whatever it is, they go, ah, you must be Rick's son. And, you know, I, you know, I find that uh, quite an honor to be called Rick's son, except for, you know, it depends on who's saying it. Sometimes I say it with a bit of, you know, they spit the words a little bit. Uh, but most of the time it's a good thing. And I think about uh, God and I think, what things would I look like or would I carry that would say, well, that would cause people to go, you must be God's son. You know, when people say you must be Rick's son, it's because I'm carrying something or I'm using the words or, uh, you know, I look like dad. And so they, they go, oh, you know, they, they associate. So when we carry peace, God says, that we are the children of God, it's like we, there is a resemblance. We resemble God as we carry peace, as we carry mercy, as we, as we carry grace. Now, these are the promises of God to us, that, that God's grace would be enough for us. Every time we stuff up and every time we mess up and every time in the midst of suffering, we, just get, we let our anger get the best of us or, or we take it out on someone else. God's grace is enough for us in the middle of that. God's mercies are new every day. They, they're never ending. His favor upon us in the midst of evil and turmoil and destruction, God's favor is upon us. His mercies are with us and God's peace. This understanding of God, what really matters is how we, how our relationship is. Because at the end of end of the day and once we're all passed away we're going to be with him this world is so temporal and sometimes i need to remind myself that hey don't get so caught up with what's going on don't get so caught up second timothy in the second chapter i told you i've been in there for a long time it says a soldier doesn't concern himself with the concerns of this world and i think wow you know god's called us to be his soldiers you know a part of his team and and really what we or to spend most of our time on is, God, what's your next command? God, what do you next want from us? You know, when we carry this grace and this mercy and this peace, we resemble God. And the way we do that, we, we don't need to go seeking out grace and seeking out mercy and seeking out peace. Again, this is 
counter to the idea that Paul says it does, you know, it's it's not your works, but it's your faith. It's our faith. That through faith we receive these things from God. It's got nothing to do with if we can drum up enough peace in our lives. It's got nothing to do with, you know, God, can I plead you for your mercies? That's you know, that's not the, the message that Paul's saying. He's saying, Hey Timothy, may God's grace mercy and peace be with you from God the Father. That's where it comes from, from God the Father. And so when we do these things, we have this grace and this mercy and this peace and, and they, they dwell inside of us and, and you know when you've got them. You know when you've got them. It's, these things flow out of our life. They become normal things that flow out of the life of the believer and they become a gift for others around us. I don't know about you, but when you listened to Luke Turner's message that he put up on the devotion, did you not sense grace, mercy, and peace with him? You can tell that he's been spending time with God. And it's almost like this deposit of what is God's just overflows, even through a video camera, overflows onto the Facebook newsfeed and into you. As you read this or as you listen to this video, you know, God's grace, mercy and peace aren't just for you. They flow out of your life. That's how people will go, you must be God's son. You kind of resemble Jesus a little bit. Man, I hope that people when they meet me or they see me and, and, and they know who God is, that they go, oh, you know God. You're clearly one of his sons. You know, as we walk with the Holy Spirit daily, which is really the key to all of this, as we walk with the Holy Spirit, we become more like him. It's, it's like this inevitable side effect that, that God gives us, that, that we resemble him more as we walk with him. Church, in the midst of suffering, we're, we're 12 weeks into lockdown, and uh, who knows, maybe at the end of the month we'll, we'll all be out and happy or... Uh, you know, maybe there's 12 more weeks. Uh, only God knows what's coming in the future. If the last two years have taught me anything, it's that the future's unpredictable. I'm not going to put my faith and my hope and my trust in the fact that, you know, we're going to be out of lockdown or that, you know, something's coming or, you know, whatever it is. Uh, certainly my my hope, and my, my faith isn't in any government or any governmental decision, uh, whether they're good ones or bad ones. That's not where my hope lies. And uh, don't let your hope lie there. Allow your hope and your faith to lie in God. We don't concern ourselves with what citizens normally concern themselves of in the world. We're called to be different. Jesus in the Chosen series, he says, get used to different. We're called to be a little weird. We're not called to be normal in this world. Now, I encourage you, have faith that God's got this. If we're in lockdown for the next 30 years, we, we probably won't be, but God's still got it. And uh, I have faith in knowing that, you know what, God, your grace and your mercy and your peace are enough for me. Let me pray for you. 
Lord, we just thank you so much that you've given us everything that you have. God, we thank you that your grace is sufficient for us, that we don't have to earn any of this, that it's freely given through our faith in you. God, that your mercies are new every morning. God, that you provide favor upon us, that we are your children and you just want to bless us and support us and provide your providence for us. And so, God, we just, we're just so thankful. And, Lord, we just thank you for the peace, the shalom that exists between your church and you this relationship of good standing that we have. But God, most of all, we just thank you that you just give it freely. It's not because we've earned it or because we're cool enough or good enough or whatever it is, you just give it freely. Lord, I just pray that every single person listening to this right now would just be filled with the confidence that comes with knowing that you've got their back. God, let it be a reality in every single person's suffering that they have these three things. Would you encourage them? Would you walk with us as we navigate difficult waters and difficult conversations in the days ahead? All of our trust is in you. Not anyone else, not any disease or cure or anything. All of our trust is in you, Jesus. In your name. Amen. Well, have a great week, church. Thanks for listening and tuning in. And I pray that blesses you. Remember to walk with the Holy Spirit every day. And uh, we'll see you next week.